All right, take your seats, everyone. We're about to begin, and this week we have a special guest lecturer, Mitch Har. So take your seats, please. Welcome to the Change Academy podcast. My name is Brock Armstrong, and we'll be joined by Monica Reinagel very shortly. But this week we're switching it up a little bit, because today on the Change Academy podcast, we have invited a fellow named Mitch Harb to join us to talk about his easy wins approach to creating sustainable behavior change. It was a really great conversation that he and Monica had, and I'll play it for you right away. But first, before we get into that, as you probably know, at this point in the show, we like to talk about something that we're working on or things that our listeners have been working on. And this week, we're going to change it up a little bit because Monica is doing an interview and we're just going to skip that and get right into the meat of the conversation with Mitch Harb. Now, Mitch is a personal trainer and nutrition coach. He is certified by the National Academy of Sports Medicine and is the co-owner, along with a fellow named Zach Smith, of High Def Seattle, a fitness studio and physical therapy practice that offers both in-person and virtual training and coaching. So as you can probably guess, the conversation is going to revolve a little bit around health and fitness, but I think you'll be able to draw the parallels between health and fitness and pretty much any change that you want to make in your life. In fact, Monica and Mitch get into how he actually created his business using these same easy win techniques that you'll hear about in just a second. So it's not just about health and fitness. So keep that in mind while you listen. And without any further delay, here's the interview. Welcome to the Change Academy, Mitch. How's it going? Appreciate you having me. I've been looking forward to our conversation. And and let me just fill in for folks how you and I met. We uh, actually met a little over a year ago at Idea World, which is a huge international conference of fitness and nutrition professionals. And I was there to present on, of course, <laughs> the science of behavior change. And uh, Mitch and I connected afterwards, after the conference, and then we had a great conversation on his Easy Wins podcast. And just in talking with him and also following his Instagram feed, which I love, I just knew that Mitch was a kindred spirit in terms of his philosophy and approach. And to be honest, that's kind of rare in the fitness industry. Wouldn't you say you're a little bit outside the uh, the usual, business as usual in your industry, Mitch? <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, you know, I think um, I would agree with that. And and that was kind of what led me into it, honestly, was I'd always been into fitness, um, just being an athlete. And what steered me away was I didn't think I was like, you know, the typical people that you're talking about. Ah. And so I just never thought about it. And then I was like, well, maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> Well, give us just a sort of a definition of your approach, this easy wins philosophy that you have. What do you mean by that? Yeah. So, I mean, basically it is, you know, they talk, call them small wins, small changes, small accomplishments, whatever. But basically my idea was rather than I've got to do this gigantic, tough task, like, well, wouldn't you still get benefit if you did something small that was also a win mm -hmm. right and and that was kind of my my approach was i didn't think that you know everyone's thinking i've got to get 100 points today but i didn't think that getting five points here five points there i didn't think that would add up to zero like it can't add up to zero right it's got to still add up mm -hmm. um so that was kind of where i i where i started with with the easy wins and and the whole 
the whole name was I was just like telling people these little things that I was doing. And and then I just said, like, you just got to get those easy wins. And and then like next day, I know everyone was that followed me or my friends were always saying that to me. And I was like, well, I guess that sticks. <laughs> yeah. Those things that you find yourself saying over and over again, kind of recognize that, wow, that's that's really kind of my approach. But, but I think you're right. I think most of us think in order to get a big result, we're going to have to make a really big, difficult effort. But what's wrong with going for 100 points? I mean, wh- what's what's the harm in that? Yeah, you know, I, from what I've experienced, uh, the reason I, in my own personal journey, didn't want to do that was because I was more so afraid. Like, I didn't want to put in all this effort. You know, I was <laughs> like, man, I don't want to do this crazy diet that everyone, you know, goes zero to a hundred. I, I just didn't want to do those things. So I was like, but I could do this smaller thing. So I guess it's either that going for that big challenge typically stops people from trying or, Uh, or it's that they give up too quick to see any result because it's too difficult. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Certainly we see that quite a bit. You know, and that is the appeal, I guess, of that easy wins approach is that it it feels approachable. It feels doable. And, you know, one of the things we know about behavior change is that people are more likely to follow through on an intention if they believe they can be successful at it. You know, that concept of self-efficacy. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and that is kind of why I put the the wins part, right? As we've talked about that is like, like most people are, are at this point where they need to change they probably don't feel like a winner in in at least this category, mm. right? Mm. Like, so they're we focused on to, what's wrong, right? Exactly. So you got to get some wins under your belt before you can get some confidence in yourself in this area. Yeah, but what happens um, if you're you're going for the the easy wins? You're trying to gain some confidence. You're trying to just notch some small wins, even if they're not gigantic, just to kind of get some momentum, get some traction. What happens when those easy things just aren't enough to really add up to make a noticeable impact? What then? Yeah, you know, I think there's there's a couple of different ways to look at that is number one, what is what is how do you define success, right? Because mm-hmm. you know, if your your defined success is I need to lose 10 pounds and you're doing these easy things, it's probably not going to add up to that. So you will feel like, oh, this isn't enough. Mm-hmm. But if your defined success is, I check this box every day, then it would be enough. And then we just have to see that play out. I, I think the the other piece is that easy wins is not like, all right, all you got to do is is uh, eat, eat some spinach. That's pretty easy, right? Right. Drink eight glasses of water, right? <laughs> yeah. Everyone has their own level. Like once, once you get something down that is now easy, like Mm -hmm. it's up to you to now like find that next one, right? Like, all right, you drank your water for two weeks. Uh, Now that's so easy that you don't have to think about it. So what's that next thing we're going to add on? Like, Mm -hmm. how do we get to that next level and then make that easy too? And, Mm -hmm. And just start stacking from there. So you mentioned that, you know, a lot of people go into this with a goal, like I want to lose a certain number of pounds, or I want to hit a certain number on the scale. And I heard you kind of reframe that. Let's define success in terms of the actions we take instead of the results that we're getting. But is it is it meaningful or is it important to have some sort of 
end point or goal or benchmark anyway that you're working towards, uh, that you're hoping that those easy wins will add up to, or uh, you know, some way of defining success? Or is it is it really just enough to be constantly improving, just constantly being a little bit better today than you were yesterday? Will that get you there? Uh, you know, I would say, I guess there's a two-part answer. I would say that it should be enough to just get that constant growth, but the way we typically work and the way most people work and in mostly like the business side of things, like you kind of have to have that thing that you're going for because mm-hmm. that just kind of drives you. And, and, you know, they talk about having that. Why what I've seen is you, you kind of have to have that overarching thing you're working towards where you, where it goes wrong is putting a timeline on it is that's oh. where I see the problem comes in is, you know, it's it's fine to want to lose 50 pounds. If you have 50 pounds to lose, like, yeah, let's let's go after that. But when you say like you want to do it in the next three months, it's right. like, well, now that goal becomes an issue. So uh-huh. I do like the idea of, you know, like as in training, it's like, all right, I want to get to five pull-ups. Yeah. Yeah. Let's continue to like that's how I'm gonna program for you. Like that's that's gonna be the background. But if you want to do it next month, like then you're just setting yourself up to be disappointed. So I think it it's good depending on how you frame it. Well and maybe it's keeping that tension between, you know, I have this goal that I'm working towards and that will constitute success if I achieve that whenever that happens. But then I also am going to be defining success on a day-to-day basis based on this, the actions that I'm taking. So, so kind of having a dual definition of success, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think uh, another issue sometimes that I see with having those big goals is, and, and depending on what the goal is, is, you know, you see people think that it's going to change their life, right? Mm. Like everything is going to change when they get, they lose that weight. And it's like, well, then you're setting yourself up for maybe some disappointment because a lot of things are going to still be the same. <laughs> Wherever you go, there you are. Right? Yeah. And, and sometimes we talk about when we do have these goals, because it is, it is, it can be fun. It can be motivating to have a specific goal that you're working towards, but it is kind of important to think about, well, but what's next? What then, when I get there, what will then motivate me or what will be the next thing that I'm working or what will motivate me to continue these steps or these actions that I'm taking every day once I hit my goal. Well, yeah. And then that's, that is why it's like so important to dig down to the why of why you want that. Right. Because yes, it's I like, wanted to circle back to that. You said, um, you know, we were talking about setting goals, like maybe having um, a certain weight that we want to hit or whatever it is. Um, but then you said that about like, you have to have your why and that's a whole different thing, right? That's not a, what that's a, why, what does it, um, change about, what does it make possible for me to have accomplished that goal? And, uh, how do you help clients bring that into their consciousness? You know, if they're really focused on a, a specific quantitative goal, how do you get them to tap into that? Why? You know, for me, I think it's, it's about, constantly asking questions, trying to figure out where this person's head's at. And then, you know, once you start to get to know a person a little better, you you kind of see like what is important to them. And mm. then I, I just try to frame things like, like if someone's so focused on this weight loss goal, but they're really into their business or their job, or they really want to hit this number here with, with their business, 
and let's say we're really dialed in on getting them healthier and having more energy, I, I try to just like frame it like, hey, you know, if you lose these 20 pounds like this quickly, I don't know that that's really going to get you what you've been telling me you like here. Like, do you see that that's going to help you here? Like, or, mm-hmm. or just ask them that question. Like, well, you're so excited about this business. What does getting this 20, what does losing this 20 pounds do for that versus mm-hmm. just staying consistent on these health um, tasks that we're doing right now that are already making you feel better? Like what's going to change for you losing that weight? in two weeks. And that's so interesting. And I think you're right. I think when we do start to explore the why behind the what, you know, why is this important? What would this make possible? What would this change? Sometimes it can be revealed that the the goal that they that people have in mind is not actually the most appropriate goal to get them to that why. Um, you know, if if somebody just wants to feel stronger and and fit, you know, then it may be more important for them to work on strength than for them to lose lose a little bit of weight. And what may change that actually does get them to that why may not be the number on the scale. It may be something completely different. So I think it is really important to, to ask ourselves when we're working on change, you know, when we're kind of self-coaching um, and also to, you know, when we're working with others. Yeah. Good conversations. Well, yeah. Well, and, and I think that comes from just like almost experience. You know, I, I feel like I've had certain goals and I've gotten there and been like, okay, this is not what I thought was going to, what it was going to be like, you know, like I, I think with a lot of Can people, you give like, me an example? Well, it's, it's like with your body, right? Like I think everyone has this idea that like, maybe not everyone, but I feel like a lot of people have this idea, like I'm going to get in great shape and like, you know, as a male, like every, like girls are just going to be calling you, you know, like, that. <laughs> and, and you, you just assume that. And then it's like, you get there and you're like, well, oh, now turns out I still have to have a nice personality <laughs> a, <laughs> or be good company. Like maybe I should have just been working on conversation skills at this point. You know, <laughs> true. <laughs> I remember thinking that, uh-huh. and I know that other people think that too. <laughs> right? Yeah, good to sort that out before you've invested. You know, twelve months on a bodybuilding routine. Right. Right. So you've obviously had a lot of success developing this philosophy and this approach to to help your clients reach their various health goals, just live healthier lives and get more out of their lives. Have you ever found yourself taking the same approach with yourself on other kinds of goals? Like you, you mentioned business goals or, I don't know, financial goals or anything else. Does this easy wins uh, philosophy translate into other areas of your life? Oh, absolutely. And where I originally like got the idea was from, I don't know if you're familiar with Ramit Sethi. I'm not. He, he's a finance guy. So he has a book called I Will Teach You to Be Rich. Right. Because your background is actually in business. You you have a degree in business, right? Yep, exactly. And I read his book about money and that was his whole thing was like, you don't have to make these huge changes you just need to start to save a little more or you know you have to start to get a little better percentages on your investments and and mm-hmm. little things like that and he just talked about how like that adds up over time the old compound interest right i was like well if it works there it's got to work in other areas you know mm-hmm. and and that's kind of how i um approached my own fitness journey but then yeah you know i had a business background and I was working at a 
big corporation that I didn't like. And I was like, man, how am I going to get out there out of this? I'm not just going to quit my job and like pop up doing something new. I was like, well, I need to start small. And I started with these little things, you know, helping other people do podcasts on the side and just little side projects. And and eventually things built up. And when I finally quit that job, because I had another side business that I was able to support myself with, I, I did a post on that. And I was like, listen, like I preach this easy wins philosophy through health, but it was exactly how I changed my whole situation. You know, mm. I didn't just get up and leave and I didn't just get up and start this business overnight. Like it was this long, long process, but manageable and, um, and you know, it, it worked out. Yeah. I think many of us have had those kinds of achievements where we look back and realize how long we've been working on something, but also how far we've come and how we would have never imagined that we would have built what we had built or created what we created from the beginning. And it really is, you know, a step-by-step journey. And I want to ask you about consistency though, because obviously a small consistent effort is going to yield more results than a big one-time only effort or something. That's, mm-hmm. that's pretty clear. And a, an easy win, it should be easy to be consistent with that because it doesn't take that much, right? It's, we're not right. asking so much of ourselves. We're not disrupting our whole life, our whole day, our whole body. So it should be easy to be consistent with small wins. But I've noticed paradoxically that sometimes I have a hard time with consistency doing small things. And I I sometimes wonder whether it's because they're so small, it doesn't always seem important that, you know, it's easy to kind of rationalize like, "Ah, what difference will it make if I skip a day? Um, It's such a small thing. Uh, And then one day becomes two days or four days. Do you ever see that kind of uh, uh, attitude or or, uh, do you ever see that kind of thing with your clients? Yeah. And, and, you know, that's kind of why it's important to find that level of difficulty that is manageable, but not too easy. Right. Where Mm. it's like, like you said, you know, people lose interest, you know, I think it's like, you got to ask them that how difficult is this on the scale? If it's like a one, you're, yeah, like you said, you're just going to be like, well, I'll do it today. But if I don't feel like it, it's not going to be the biggest, biggest issue. But what I would say is one thing that I always keep in my head is the hardest part of any journey is getting started. So the best thing about momentum is like, if you can just keep doing it, you Hmm. don't have to go through the whole getting started process again. Right. So how do you avoid that is like so tapping into that. Yeah. Inertia. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. That should be mm-hmm. the goal. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. But I think sometimes we do end up kind of uh, shooting ourselves in the foot um, by, by thinking like, ah, well, what difference will it make? But that's actually the other feature of self-efficacy. I mentioned earlier, people are much more likely to follow through on, on their intention to change their behavior if they believe that they can be successful, but they also have to believe that it will make a difference. And when you can have both of those things harnessed, then it vastly increases the chances that people will actually follow through on their intention and convert those intentions into action. Yeah. And, and, you know, education drives compliance, right? So it's like kind of not just saying like, make sure you drink your water. You know, it's like, well, explain to people like what that's going to help them with. And then also point that out to them. Like, Hey, did you feel better today? Ah, yes. They'll say, yeah. Okay. Well. 
Now they start to attach that. Right. So cultivating that that attention to the impact of the the choices that they're making. It's huge. Do are you a fan of having some sort of um, habit tracker or some way for people to kind of keep track? Like you mentioned earlier, you know, kind of checking off the box. And obviously, we can just do that in our heads. But do you find it useful to have people check off a literal box? Yeah, depending on the person, for sure. I think there are some people who like to to have that, and I am one who like I love. Every day I write a list down of things I got to do, you know, just big rocks. So I'll I'll leave it at three to five things, but I love checking, just crossing it off at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Wow. Look Mm -hmm. at what you did. You know, like that, that feels good. And there's some accountability there too. If you can look back over the, over the week, especially when I'm trying to create a new habit that's unfamiliar to me. Um, it's, it's really revealing to me to, to look back and, and see like how many days this week did I actually do it? Where did it fall apart? You know, and, and why, and I'm not sure I would remember it if I didn't have a little way of keeping track of, of keeping a record for myself. For sure. Because sometimes when let's say I have a client who isn't doing that, it's like, well, how did this week go? Oh yeah. I think it went pretty good. <laughs> who it's knows? Like, well, probably not. <laughs> you know, like if, <laughs> right. Judging by the result, like you probably didn't. And if you don't remember, like, how do we really know what's going on here? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, we have to collect the data in order to to have anything to to assess and to to manage. Absolutely. All right, Brock, back here at Mission Control, just interjecting with my takeaways from the conversation so far. And the first one is that small interventions can also be big wins. And those interventions don't have to be huge and 100, as Mitch said, they just can't be zeros. The next takeaway I have is that how you define success can keep you motivated, and often the process-oriented successes, like being consistent with the things you're doing, can actually be more effective than the goal-oriented successes. I also really liked what Mitch had to say about framing your goals within the context of your life, but also within your other goals. That can be a really important step that a lot of people miss. And also, of course, the easy wins approach can be used for more than just health and fitness, even though that's what Monica and Mitch have been talking about primarily. And finally, keeping momentum is easier than starting up over and over and over again. Keeping that momentum going can really make the difference. All right, let's get back to Mitch and Monica for our lab experiment. Mitch, um, in the Change Academy podcast, we try to end every episode with what we call a lab experiment. And that's just some little uh, assignment that we can offer the listeners that they can take away from that week and and try out, put into action in their lives and just kind of see how it works as a sort of an experiment. You know, what happens if I do this? So I'm going to put you a little bit on the spot here and ask, if you had a client that was coming to you, and let's not say that that person's goal is specifically weight loss, but just a more general, you know, improving their health, creating a healthier lifestyle, what might be something that you would typically assign a new client to focus on as an easy win or a couple of easy wins in that first couple of weeks? Where would you start? So the the main three things that I always want someone to, to start with is number one, Finding a way to move your body that you enjoy. If maybe some people already have that, but if you don't, like, I don't believe that everyone needs to go to LA Fitness and and just struggle through a workout. Like, everyone will be different and they will have those things. Like, I guarantee someone will find something that 
they do enjoy and they can tolerate. So if you don't already know what that is that you can go out and do three times a week, like that's the mission. You got to go, go for a run, go for a bike ride, go take a spin class, like gather some data. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because you'll never, you'll never maintain long longevity if you're struggling for 30 days at, at this big box gym that you hate, like it will never last. So, and it doesn't matter if it is the most effective workout or burns 2% more fat than some other workout. The the one you do is the one you're going to benefit from. Exactly. Because if you do that one that burns 2% more for 30 days and stop, yeah, (laughs) right. Doesn't matter. So first thing, do some research, do some experimentation to discover some way of moving that you actually enjoy. Okay. You said you had three. What's the second one? Then I think that figuring, I don't think everyone has to track their calories for an extended Mm -hmm. period of time or or really at all. But I think a place to start is like, you should at least just know what I I loved what you said at, at that conference. I think I'm pretty sure it was you. I think I always remember is like what you do often is what's really important. Right. Right. It's not your best day or your worst day, but your typical day. Yes, exactly. And Mm -hmm. I think most people don't know what that looks like. So Mm -hmm. your other research project is to go figure what that is out, like write it all down, Mm -hmm. look at what the calorie content is, and then you'll kind of know like, okay, wow. You know, every time I do this with clients, they're like, I did not know I was eating that much, you know, or like. Right. And, you know, and I would say that there are ways that we can gather data. There are a lot of ways that we can skin that cat, right? Like you could just choose a couple of dietary habits to track for a while and realize and and see, you know, how many days a week do I actually get five servings of vegetables? Mm -hmm. How many days a week do I eat fried foods? How many days a week, you know, um, pick a few things that, that may be kind of signal and just get a sense again, like of your, of your typical and of your consistency, I think that can also be really eye-opening. Yeah. But again, gathering that data, what's actually happening? We, how can we decide what we want to change if we don't even know what it is yet? A hundred percent. And and that's that's what I see is is a big issue. People don't have a way to move their body that they enjoy, so they don't do it. And then people don't know what they're even eating all day. Mm-hmm. And so what their baseline is. Exactly. Yeah. And then the last one is go to bed. You know, I think like. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) (laughs) I talked to so many clients. They're like, oh, I'm so exhausted. I'm like, from what? They're like, I was up to like 1 a.m. last night. I was like, what are you partying or something? Like, no, just watching TV. I'm like, what are you doing? You know, like, (laughs) what are we really doing so late? Like, just go to bed. Your whole next day will be so much better. Right. Starting with fitness and activity and how much energy you have for that and continuing on through your eating choices and your appetite and your hunger levels. It's so true. And boy, we just resist it, don't we? We're like overtired toddlers. We just don't want to go to bed. (laughs) Absolutely. And I think something tactical is just like just 30 minutes before you normally would. um, Ah, A small win. Exactly. An easy win. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it can also be another place to gather data. Like how much sleep do I actually need to feel good? And that might take a little investigation because we don't all need exactly eight hours of sleep. But if you're exhausted every day, then that's a good sign that you're not getting enough. And I think that's a perfect way to approach it. You could just kind of add 30 minutes, you know, and see how that goes and and keep doing that until you get to a day where you wake up and you think, 
that was enough that I feel great. And that might be six and a half hours, might be eight and a half hours, but then you know what you're shooting for. Absolutely. And I mean, if you do all those things, number one, (laughs) that's a lot. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to know how you're going to be moving more because you enjoy it. And like that, these are things that like you can build off for a lifetime. That's why, that's why I like to start people there. And, you know, it is a lot to focus on. Maybe even for our listeners, they might want to just choose one of these three research projects as their lab experiment for this week, whichever one they feel like they'd get the most benefit out of and go through this process of, of gathering that data and, and figuring out, you know, what's working and and what's not as a way to set some intentions. A hundred percent. I would, I would definitely pick one, get it down. Mm -hmm. And like we said earlier, now you got to add the next thing. (laughs) Right, right. It's we're never done, right? Yep, absolutely. But that's the good news, you know. We we say uh, that change is forever. We have eight things that are required for sustainable behavior change, and the last one is forever. Yeah. <laughs> we need forever because we're never done changing. And sometimes people find that sort of discouraging, but I find it exhilarating. It's like because change is so fun, you know, when you're approaching it with a spirit of open minded curiosity and playfulness, you know, who'd want to be done with that? Yeah. And, and doing it under your own like perspective and lens, right? Because I think people are, are turned off by it because they, they see like the diet and the fitness industry and they're like, change means I have to change into that. Mm -hmm. But no change means you need to find your own version. And that's the fun part is finding your own version of these things. And, and once you actually like it, like, that will be even more fun no matter where you expand it to. Well, I have to say, Mitch, I am not a big one for, you know, fitspiration Instagram feeds or anything inspiration Instagram, but I so enjoy your IG feed. I do find it very motivational, very inspirational. I always find your observations to be like 100% on the mark. So I want to make sure to give that a plug and have uh, folks who who enjoy Instagram check you out. You're at Easy Wins Mitch. And it's um, well worth having in the old feed, folks. So check that out. And we will put a link to that in our show notes. But Mitch, thank you so much for our conversation today. It was great to connect with you again. I look forward to the next time we get to do it in real and really appreciate your your insights. Hey, I appreciate you, Monica. It means a lot. You, you are definitely a, a legend in the space. So I, I appreciate you, the kind words and, and having me on. Well, thank you. Take care. See ya. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that interview as much as I did. I really got a lot out of there. And normally this is when we direct you to go to our website or to subscribe to our podcast or whatever. But this time, do us a favor and go over and check out all the links that we have in the show notes for Mitch Harb. He's got a podcast. He's got an Instagram feed. He's got a website. Check all of them out and make sure you subscribe to the High Def Performance Podcast. And that's all for this week. All right, thanks everybody, and especially big thanks to Mitch Harb for being our guest on this episode of the Change Academy podcast.